As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, and welcome back to today's show. I am so excited to introduce you to one of my colleagues, uh, mastermind buddies. We tend to hang out in some of the same business circles. That is how I met the amazing Mandy. And we've also become fast friends over the last couple of years. We have so much in common, which I imagine will come out in today's episode. So Mandy, I'm super happy to have you today. Thanks so much for having me on the show here, Megan. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how about you take a few moments to tell everyone who you are, give us a little bit of the backstory about how you got to where you are in your business. And of course, introduce your business to us as well. Okay, great. So my name is Mandy Ellison. As you said, my company is hands off CEO. I'm the CEO of hands off CEO. So, um, what, what we do is we work with consulting agencies. So people who provide consulting services and growth services and agencies around that. So B2B services, and we help them be able to scale multi-million dollar companies that can run without them. So um, we can kind of get into how we do that, but what we've been able to do is help people add millions of dollars of growth to their company. We've helped them be able to come get, get from a place, place that sometimes they're working 80, 90 hours per week down to where a place that they're working 10 hours per week in some cases, and um, everywhere in between that, but really get down to a place where it's sustainable, where they're, they're growing their income, and they're really just building this incredible business that um, funds their lifestyle, that allows them to grow their wealth, that allows them to actually generate um, more impact in the world by really just deepening who they are and what their real purpose is on this earth. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm going to call you the queen of cash, Mandy. You're like the queen okay. of cash, queen of queen cash. Of cash. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. So let's dive in there. You know, um, okay. All right. Let's dive in there. So, you know, when most people, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk women entrepreneurs, cause that's largely who our listeners are, are a lot of women entrepreneurs start their business with this idea of, you know, I want to make money. I want to make money for my family. And they kind of like hustle and grind and push and shove and force just to get to that like first level or layer of like super like low six figures. And mm-hmm. then unfortunately, but also fortunately, um, some of those people actually get to this stage of multiple six figures and still with a lot of like hustle and grind. And then they start to realize, okay, my business expenses are starting to go up. And then yep. unfortunately, very few actually get to that next level of seven figures, um, which is really where we're going to start to tap into financial freedom and time freedom. Right. And that's really what you're here on the planet to do. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of us as women, when we first start our businesses, we do have this vision of time freedom because we do have kids, we have families, we have husbands, we want to travel. We want to like have the dream home. We want to have, have and do all the things, but yet we never make 
the amount of money to actually do that, but we're working all the time in our businesses. So let's take it next level. I really want to take it next level with you because you are the queen of cash. You are helping people not only make more money, but you're helping people really leverage their business so that they can have the opportunity to do all the things they say they want to do. So what really has to transition in an entrepreneur's mind and in their business so they can go from, I'm just kind of like breaking even every month to busting through to this level where the cash flow is coming and they actually have time to do what they say they want to do. That was a big question. Okay. <laughs> that was a big question. We talked about, you talked about all sorts of different things, but here, let me, why don't I start out with this? Okay. So only 3% of women actually can get to seven, have a, have a seven figure company, seven, only 3%. That's, that's up from 1%. So we've made some progress here, Good, but um, that's really tragic. And that's, uh, but that being said, I want to also, let's, let's talk about just the realities of this. Okay. So there are different seasons of our life, particularly as women. And, you know, at an earlier stage, when I had my, my tiny babies and my main focus was not on having a seven figure company, like that was a different season in my life. And I needed a business, a different business model for that. I needed a business model that was more, it was a very high profit business model in the, the lower six or six figures, but like, I'm like maximizing the profit on that. So like, what I wish I would have known at an earlier stage was to know where you're at, know what, what, what um, season you are at in your life to be able to invest. And this is something you need to really take into consideration as a woman business owner and, and also recognize that there always will be more time to be creating this, this life you want, but don't give up what you want most for like this, the society's vision of what they think you should have for your life when you know better. So there's, you know, these, these younger years that I had with my children, um, I wouldn't give any amount of money for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when you're right in the middle of that, take into consideration what stage you are, what resources you already have to look at where, you, what you actually want to do with that. And, um, cause there were times earlier on when I would remember, I was like, kind of, I felt like I was kind of pushing a boulder up a hill because I was trying to grow my company at a time where like, I just needed to maintain it. That's really what I needed to do. But then um, as soon as like that, there was this open window there and I fully committed, I like went all in and I said, I'd like, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. And then my company just took off. So it, it's like this, this timing where, and I think you only know this timing from like, really for, for me, it was, it was going internally praying about it and finding what was right for my life. So that's been my experience. And I think that's helpful for, um, for women to find that alignment. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think the big dream for so many entrepreneurs is to get to, I'm going to like using the name of your company is to get to being like the hands-off CEO. So what are the like main core pillars that you teach your clients? You do this in your own business that do eventually allow you to have okay. and be the hands-off CEO. What's got to be right. in place for that? Yeah, let's yeah, let's talk about those main pillars. And first, before I do that, I actually want to continue on a thought that you had asked before, just so that I, I can help 
kind of dispel the myth, dispel the myth of what it takes to get from the six figure mark up to the seven figure mark and the stages yeah. in between. Okay. Yeah. So you have this, the, the lower six figure mark. And at this point, you, what you want to do is you want to maximize your profitability and keep things as simple as you possibly can. <clears throat> um, and then you have the next stage where you hit like around 200, 250, that those numbers might go up with inflation here, but, um, that's about that between around there is what I call the pit of hell. And this is a place where, um, between like 250, getting, getting that over that initial hump there is just awful because as you were talking about before, Megan, your costs have never been higher. Your stress is higher. You have all these responsibilities. You're getting crunched on the top end where your clients uh, want you to deliver more, but they're not willing to pay more perhaps. And you have your, 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 um, your team who want to be paid more. And that's happening even more right now. I mean, this, that we're, we're getting crunched on both sides here. Yeah. So that pit of hell is actually going to get worse, unfortunately, uh, due to events that have been happening in the past six months or so. So um, this pit of hell, there's some things that need to change in order to get there. And we can talk about that, that um, the main pillars of what it needs to take to get this is I'm, I'm talking specifically about um, a consulting company where a coaching company would fit into this category too. coaching consulting agencies are where we're doing professional services and growth services. So yes. um, to be able to get to a million, it, there, there's a, about, there's a team element that happens between 250 and a million where you need to, to be able to leverage so that you can increase your prices so that you hire, have the cash flow to hire people. And then when you do, when you have that, then it's just rinse and repeat, and then you'll be able to get to, to, um, the million. And then at that point, you're going to putting in more and more leadership in place and scaling on. Um, but really once you're, once you're, uh, but so much of this, there's so many different, there, there's structural pieces that need to be in place, but there's also mindset pieces that need to be placed. Now, um, there's some advantages to being women, um, CEOs actually. So there's some disadvantages too. Women and men scale companies differently. The majority of my clients actually are men. Um, just because here's the thing is there's, there's a lot more men that are, are scaling, that want to scale seven figure companies. I, I don't want it to be that way, but this is how it is. Yeah. And as one of the reasons why we, we only used to only work with companies that were, were close to a million and up. And one of the key reasons that I actually decided to open it up to be working with companies in the, the um, six figures up to seven figures additionally was because most of them were women that we, I was saying no to that. So I, so, so like they really wanted this, they wanted this freedom. They wanted a hands-off CEO business, but like, I didn't have anything to offer them. So I actually decided to, um, to open this up. And what this took from me was to develop a core pillar that was missing that, that we didn't teach quite as, as, um, aggressively before. So now we're going to getting into the pillars. So just, does this make sense before we, we move into the pillar part? Totally does. Yep. Okay. So here's the thing that was missing from, from these companies to be able to scale. And they're in, in the six figures. I also see this in the seven figures too. So this is not like it's across the board at seven figures. You have more resources to throw at this. One of the biggest things that I've seen, there's been a shift in the past like year or so, maybe a year and a half or so is that I'm seeing a lot more entrepreneurs being willing to invest ahead of growth. Mm. So that's been something that's been great about COVID. And we use our, we use a funding partner to help our clients be able to invest in themselves, invest ahead. So look at, you know what, I want to be able to be making double the amount um, in six months that I am now, but I don't have 
you know, the, this, this big chunk of money to be able to invest in, in my growth. Mm-hmm. Now you see so your options are, well, I could just go, go in and go with the affordable option, which is just like some mainstream program that doesn't really know what they're doing. Right. Or we got we a lot of those. In, in, <laughs> yes. Right. Or you can go in and, and invest in um, high level services like yours and really look at um, those pieces to actually get to that next level. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, so, so now there's, so now business owners are more willing than ever to be investing ahead. And, you know, part of this could just be that I'm getting better at, at, at selling that piece. <laughs> I don't know, but, but um, I am seeing the, the mood and the atmosphere of that change a little bit. And I would really encourage that those who are listening to, to really look at the vision that you want to create and then like invest aligned with that. Because I can't even get to tell you how often I hear, well, you know what? I want to be able to go from 600,000 to 2 million in the next year. And, and then you know, then I, I say, okay, great. Well, we can help you do that. And the investment is this, You're like, ooh, that's a lot. I'm like, like <laughs> what your goal is, is a lot. Like, yeah. what do you think it's going to take you to get there, right? So, um, and that, I mean, that comes to a whole other side too, because like, if they're not getting that fee from their clients, then, then are you going to, are you going to actually be able to sell at that level if you're not willing to make an investment in yourself at that level? Right. So these are, these are some of the mindsets that, I mean, if you're not selling six figure um, engagements, for example, look within yourself and say, are you willing to invest six figures in your company? Are you, yeah. are you willing, whether you're going to or not, you just, you need to think about that. And um, that has been one of the biggest uh, barriers of like, I've got to like, to be able to grow my company, I've got to have like the cash in hand right now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's a very limited way of thinking. And that's not how big businesses grow their company. They live, they, they leverage left and right to be able to use other people's money to grow the company. And then, like, we do this with real estate. Why is this such a, such a, a foreign concept with business? But I, like it, it drives me crazy that this mindset of this absolute cheapness. Wow. And um, where do you think it comes from? Because we, we all like, see it. Where does it come from? It, well, it comes from like, well, I'm starting this, this uh, consulting business, this coaching business. I know a number of people listening are co- coaching business. And they're like, oh, all it takes is my computer. You know what? Like it's going to have no cost, right? But here's the thing is like when you're starting a real business, let's say you buy a franchise, you're going to be investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into this building out this building months, years before you ever see a dollar. You're not going to break even on that for a good couple of years. So for, for some reason, you know, the business owners who are going and advising those companies seem to think that they could just get off scot-free without investing in themselves. And um, I, 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 quite, so I don't quite understand it in some ways. In other ways, I know I've been there before and I've been there at, at earlier stages. And what I really, what it really came down to is I didn't have a big enough vision because I didn't have enough confidence in myself that I could make it. That was one thing. And, and to do that, and what I really needed is I needed, I needed someone to actually believe in me yeah. and here, sometimes, sometimes you can, sometimes you can get that in, in like just mentors that you just connect with and in community, but also paying for an advisor can, who can hold that space for you to step into is invaluable. And I've yeah. done that over and over and over again. And each, it never ends. It never yeah. ends. There's always the next level. Um, so that's, I think that's one side of it. So that having that vision and then the commitment, you know, and mm-hmm. I think part of it was like at different, I was talking about that pulled bull going the boulder up 
the hill. That's um, part of that. It was like the timing and I wasn't, the, the, the timing wasn't aligned and I wasn't fully committed. So when I saw the vision, when I was totally committed, that's when the cheapness goes away. And when you're just like, well, that like, this is what I want. This is what I need to do to get there. It's simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you start working with, you know, the level of clients you're working with, they begin facing challenges, new challenges they've never faced before. And I think at every next level we're getting to in our business, we have a tendency to think about past challenges and also past successes. And there tends to be this mentality of just relying on, well, I was successful before, I'll be successful with this next thing. Well, I solved that challenge in the past, so I'm going to be able to easily face this challenge next. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're going to these next level stages in their company, is they're bringing that old mentality of success and overcoming things with them into brand new challenges they've never had to face before. Right. What might be like, I don't know, like two, like two of the main challenges or three or whatever you come up with that when we're transitioning from, let's just say like six to seven figures, you know, kind of getting into this whole like team mentality where the CEO isn't doing all the things. What are the new challenges that people have to equip themselves with and prepare themselves for now so that they can navigate those with greater levels of strength and leadership? Okay. Um, all right. So, so here's some of the main challenges that I see is that at each new level, you're, you're absolutely right about at each new level. Oftentimes we look at it and we, and we go with what we know with, with what's comfortable and we try to address it that way. And I have a great, actually, I have a great example of this. Maybe I'll share. Um, I'll share it right now, actually. So this, this one mentor that I, I had worked with on a, a smaller engagement and who had helped me create just an incredible amount of growth. And I remember within that this was several years back, but I had gone and made $77,000 in a 90 day period of time. And this was the most money I'd ever made in such a short amount of time. And it gave me such confidence to be able to know that like, I can grow this company. I can create this. I could just go out and do this. Right. And he invited me in the to the next level of his program, which would help me be able to scale to seven figures. And you know what I said to him is like, you know what, like I, I, as I want to do it, but I'm not ready yet. I need to solve this problem first. And you know what, I'm an operations expert. This is an operations issue. I'll fix it. Right. So anyway, I'm sitting there trying to fix this problem. Months go by months go by. Um, four months later, I finally said, you know what, like, I have made no progress on this. I've like spun my, I've, I've spent 20 hours plus on trying to solve this problem. I really haven't made any progress. Um, and I just said, you know, I'm just going to move forward with this. So I move forward with this. I go to this, this in-person retreat together and I'm sitting down and I had this moment of realization that I had spent four months trying to solve the wrong problem. Mm. And the reason why I was solving the wrong problem is because I was leaning into where my comfort zone is. My comfort zone is like, I'm really good at operations. I know how to fix those things. I'm really good at fixing things. So I went to go fix, 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 fix all these things. And I was sitting there trying to fix and, and uh, reorder this new offer, or this offer to be able to get it to upsell into, the, into this next one. And it just wasn't like working. And I realized that like, I was sitting here trying to like rework this thing and I just needed to eliminate it. 
Mm. And that extra perspective that I got from investing in a mentor helped me be able to just eliminate that. And I look at that and I, it literally cost me a hundred thousand dollars of opportunity costs. Wow. A hundred thousand dollars of growth. And it was just, it was such an eye-opening experience for me. And knowing that when you try to solve your current problem with your old level of thinking, you're going to be getting the more of the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't even him that came in and said, Hey, Mandy, you need to do this different thing. It wasn't that it was that by me making that investment in myself and me really committing to this is where I was going. There was a natural shift that happened in my seeing it because I was now a new person. I was a new leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I find is that you really have to shift into a new way of being, and you're going to be shifting into different roles. And this is one of the most scary and challenging things that you get as you go through. And I actually find that the shifting through the roles between around 250 and a million are like that's, it's not nearly as challenging. A lot of the, the reason why is because you, you so badly want to get there that you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting from like, let's say like 50,000 to like a hundred thousand, like that, even just like that gap, even just getting to your first hundred thousand is just like, it, it is so hard. Like, it was the hardest thing. Thousand. It was oh. the hardest thing I've ever done in my business was to get to a hundred K. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and see, this is perfect right here. I'm so glad that you said this, Megan, because here's the thing is, it's like my next piece that I was going to say about the challenges is the belief that it's so hard. We have this belief that like, it was so hard to get to six figures. I can't even imagine how hard it's going to get to seven figures. Yeah. Yeah. And you think it's going to be like, like 10 times harder. And if you're thinking about, well, gosh, it was so hard to get to hundred K it's going to be like 10 times harder to get to a million. Like, why do I even want to go down that path? Oh, I can't, I, I would never want to go back there. It's like going yeah. back to seventh grade or something yeah. awful like that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what happens is, is that the more you grow, if you're doing it the right way, you actually have more resources, you should have more time. And um, you, you can't keep operating the way that you did earlier though, as you're growing, you have to be shifting into a new role, which means you need to create more space to think. You need to have, um, like I work three days a week. I have two days that, you know, I might, I might, you know, you and I might have a conversation. I might have um, these, these other things that I do, just maybe I want to write or something. But like, I have that space to go mountain biking, have that, that space to sit and stare out the window if I want to. But that space um, is what really facilitates the growth of the company and it gives me that freedom. So I actually want to. Yeah. How have you gotten to a point in your company that you only work three days a week? And you can create this type of space to do other things outside of the business that still right. benefit the business though. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, um, there's a, there's a quote I want to actually share right now is that, um, the more you work, the, the more you do, the less you make, mm. the more you do, the less you make. So that's something to consider as you are, um, scaling your company because, um, you can actually get to a point where you're doing less and less and less, and you're actually having it done better than you would be doing it. Mm. And um, it's, it's by identifying the pieces that where you're going to be adding the most value. 
-hmm. And um, when you identify the pieces where you're adding the most value and you actually do them, your company grows, you have the cash to invest in team, and then you can let go of the things that you're, you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. There's like, it's like, there's a cycle though you have to break. So how you break that cycle is going back to this off to going back to your offer and looking at how do we be able to generate more value? And I have a very controversial way of looking at this. I'm all about results. I'm all about, you're laughing because you're like, you're like, oh, something, something new is controversial. Like everything about me, I think it's a little bit controversial, but <laughs> um, I imagine, I imagine your, your approach is not the fluffy, flowy stuff that we hear a lot in the online space. I imagine it's the opposite yeah, so of that. So here's the thing. It's like, oh, just, just go stop working in your business and start working on your business. And it's just like all these like cliched statements, which like, yes, they're true, but how do you actually do that? Well, how do you actually do that is that you have to actually have a business worth scaling. You have to have something, a, a, um, a program, a service, whatever you're selling, it has to be like so hot that your prospects are like, I want this. I want this. Now you want people to be shoving their credit card in their hand, the right people. Yes. And not everybody, but the right people. So it's looking at what, um, looking at what is your expertise? So when we work, work with clients, we take a look at all of the things that they have done in their life, all their professional, what have, what results have you already created? Where are you passionate? All these things. And then we put this into this like master offer that is going to allow them to do their very best work in the world. And, um, the difference is, is then we're going to scale it with a team after mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, but, but we want to first look at what is it going to take for us to, for our clients, the barometer I'm looking for is I wanted them to add a million dollars to their company, the, the clients that they're working with. Mm-hmm. I want their services to be valued at a million, um, hundred, $200,000 of profit would also fit the, the, um, the bill. But so when I'm working with clients, I'm always evaluating them based on like, can this person that I'm, this prospect I'm talking to do they have the ability to add a half a million dollars of value to a company? If they don't, it's going to be way too much work. I don't really want to mm-hmm. work with them. There's way more clients we could work with. That'll be easier because if, um, if I, if I, if I make it really, really hard for myself, then that's less clients that I can work with. It's more strain on my team It's less profitable. So I'm just looking at which clients can we generate the biggest results for in the least amount of time. We're doing the same thing for our clients. How can mm-hmm. we which clients can they work with? They're going to be the least amount of their time and energy that it's just going to flow and that um, they can create these results. So what we're looking for is like, what are the things they already have in place? So I gave you an example of like the clients we have, they have to have case studies. They have to have results. So if they don't have that, then they're not ready to work with us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's fine. And I wish them well, and I encourage them. So that we have some resources that we share with them for how they generate those kind of case studies. I've been there. I get it. I've been there, but, um, but that commitment to the results, then you can start selling results. And then when you sell results, what the same price that point that you're charging for your group program, you can charge that, um, or actually let's say, sorry, I backed it, back it up. The same price point that you're charging for your high-end one-on-one work, you can move that to group program. Yeah. And then and then your one-on-one work, you can at least double the price point on it. Yep. We've seen it. We've seen it up to 10 X the fees, but, the, yeah. but um, it's all based on selling an outcome though. So when you're selling an outcome clients, 
see that there, there, uh, there's a higher level of certainty, lower risk. When there's lower risk, high reward, they'll pay more. That's yeah. a really simple formula there. There's two yeah. things, high reward, low risk, the bigger gap, the more they pay. Yeah. Really simple formula. And you don't even have to be that good at sales to do that even. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That right there, if you're listening to this was worth like adding six figures to your bottom line. If you just go do that, <laughs> Yeah, that was so valuable. So true. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I'm going to like slightly, slightly transition just a tad bit here, but you have used <laughs> the word invest a few times. Um, like okay. investing in mentors, investing in people who can actually help you grow and scale your business, um, investing okay. before you're actually ready for that growth. So we're, we're kind of playing with this word investing. And I know something that is really important to you and not just important, but um, really pulls you forward to do that you, the work that you do in the world. And that is not just making money. Look, there's, there's a difference between making money and um increasing your net worth. There's a difference between building a business for the purpose of revenue versus being um, like income outcome oriented. There's a difference between just having a business that breaks even and pays your bills and growing your like generational wealth. And as a, as a mom, as a wife, you've got two girls that you're growing. You're probably thinking like generational wealth here. Um, how necessary is it for us as women entrepreneurs to be thinking about using our dollars that we are generating from our, our main business and, and investing in other things totally outside mm -hmm. of that business? I know that's something you do. Um, yes. How important is it to be thinking, even if somebody is listening to this and they're like, holy cow, like I can't even wrap my mind around that right now. Like how important is it to at least start thinking like that? Right. And then starting to, to realize you can actually move in that direction. Yeah. So uh, the easiest way to build your net worth is to first make more money. So that's like grow your income, then you have more money to throw at your, at your investments. So and, you're saying and, that the, the trick to money is having some. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's a really and, great book. Have you ever read that book? The trick to money is having some it's by, um, Stuart Wilde, no, I love I it. The title. Yeah. You got to have money to have more money. Right. So, so here's the thing is, is not something that, um, it's increasing your earning potential. The biggest thing first, increasing your earning potential and getting your butt out of doing all the work yourself, which is the next space is around hiring an operations manager to run your company for you. We're not talking about that, but I thought it would be worth mentioning that. And then you're going to have this extra time and this extra money as you're continuing to grow to go and invest into different um, investment vehicles. And one of the things that I like to look at is that I like things that are um, that I understand. I want I like I like to be able to invest in things where I have an expertise around it already because then I have some insider insider edge. Um, me personally, I don't do stock investing because I just don't really understand it. I don't really want to learn how to do it, and um, my husband does spend more time doing that, but um, I, I really have enjoyed doing private lending. That's like that's like a killer investment. And if you are ha have, um, we have a we have a property company that we are just funding houses, building houses with them. So that's one place that we put our money, and we get like a really wicked return, and it's great for them because we 
We just give them money. They build the house and they don't have this bank breathing down their neck. Um, we just have a really great friendly relationship. And, um, it's also secured too, because like, if something happens, we have the house. Right. Right. So it's, um, so that's, that's one of the things. And as I continue to grow, I'm going to be using my skills to be sitting on boards where I get percentage equity to be, um, investing in companies. I I want my skill. I I want a company where I, um, I, I want to be looking at companies where I can add value, where I'm going to make money from that. So that's, as I continue, as I continue to grow. And, um, I have some opportunities in the works on that too. So it's, it's really fun. It's exciting. And part of it is just the game, you know, I just, like, I just love to, I love to play the game and, um, the game, the output of it is more money, but it's like also really fun. And, you know, one of the reasons why I really have been just like this growth junkie is, uh, I mean, I've been a growth junkie since I was a teenager. I'm sure you have been too, Megan, right? This is like, this is in, um, I, I like to better myself, you know, and I have being able to invest in my company, I can invest in, in being a better person. And like, it really takes something to grow your company and, and like learning how to check your ego at the door. And I'm still learning that and like learning how to like overcome the fear. And, um, maybe I'm not even saying overcome it, but it's like really being able to sit with it and be able to look at it straight in the eye and just do it anyway, feel the fear and do it anyway. And, and that fear never goes away. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs just sit here around and think like, well, I'll do it once this, this passes, like once the fear goes away, like, as if there's something wrong with that. But I think there's like a real opportunity for us to like, look internally and say, you know, is this, is this like a feeling of dread? Like, it's like, your intuition saying, don't go there. Or is this just like the fear that comes up? That's that is actually leading you to exactly where you could go. Yeah. 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 You know, along the lines of this, like, I'm afraid of taking this action or investing this money. I think that as women who have families, you know, we're always taking into consideration all the decisions that we make are impacting everybody who lives in this household, right? It's impacting my spouse. It's impacting my children. How do you as a family navigate making those types of really big decisions without kind of falling prey to the what if negative, right? Like I know you guys just, you just move states like not too long ago. You took your kids out of whatever school they were in, whatever friends they had, whatever, like, like, you know, a physical move impacts the whole entire family, taking a big chunk of money that you have access to investing in the way that you're investing it. It impacts your entire family, making like really Mm -hmm. big, massive business decisions impacts the entire family. And a lot of folks, you and I both have experienced this ourselves. We obviously see this with our clients, but I think we see this on a mass scale where people are thinking, what if. And then they're inserting the worst possible case scenario. What if negative happens versus, but what if it leads us to where we actually desire to be? You are such an example of that. How do you as a family navigate making those kind of like big decisions that, you know, are leading to something really great on the other side? So, so first of all, I divide decisions between the ones that are my family's decisions and ones that are not. Mm-hmm. So as a CEO, you got to be making decisions as a CEO. You don't, you, you, you can't be going off to your husband and asking permission to make these every, uh, the next investments. 
Now, if they own 50% of the company, yes, then they should be involved in the decision. But um, if you've got to go and ask permission, it's, it's like, that, that, that's not a CEO. You've got to, it's, and um, oftentimes I see people do this. I see men and women do this. It's not just women who do this. And they go and, and have to look for that approval, that permission. And it's like this, this submissive role. And, it, and sometimes they use that just as an excuse to put off having to make a decision. They already know the decision to make. So part of it is like, it's just learning how to be decisive and learning how to trust your own decisions. And also recognizing that any decision you make is going to be the right one. It's the right one because you made the decision and you're going to learn. It, and it's not like, it's not like you're like you're gonna blow a big hole in your house or something. You you're going to learn from the, you're gonna get feedback really quick if it was the right or the wrong decision. Yeah. And you can pivot very quickly. So it's um and it's learning how to do your due diligence in an efficient way. And um and, and here here's one, I'm just gonna actually talk about this one because since we're talking about this, the 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 kinds of people who say I need to have. I, I need to, to, to talk to one of your clients, right? I, I need to go and have like a referral call basically. And um, I don't get that very often, but every now and then when I hear someone say that, sometimes it, it, it tells me one of two things that like they're, they're just used to their buying process. They're used to a certain, a certain way of doing things. And as soon as you have a quick conversation about it, they're like, oh yeah, that's fine, you know? But then there's some people who will not buy otherwise without doing that. And really what it tells you is they have a faulty buying decision or um, or the, the, the person selling the, the program or whatever they're selling, they, they don't have a good enough marketing process. Hmm. Um, that's not in our case, we have tons and tons of case studies, testimonials all over our podcast. So if, if that's not enough information for them, they're either thinking that we're lying, which already tells you we're not fit, or they, they have a faulty decision-making process within themselves. Hmm. So if they have a faulty decision-making process within themselves, if they can't shift that, there's no way we can help them. Mm-hmm. So this coming back to the, so it's learning how to be making decisions and knowing which decisions are decisions about your company and, and also enrolling your spouse and seeing that like, this is my company. I'm going to be making decisions that are going to impact our family. Just like when you go to work, you're making decisions every day that are impacting us. I mean, your, your, your spouse could go and tell off their boss and get fired. That's going to impact the family, right? Yep. But you're not going to sit there and follow them around to make sure that like they're doing everything right. Yeah. That would be weird. <laughs> it would be totally weird, right? Yeah. And I thought I'd use that example for like a, an extreme contrast, but so, so part of it is learning how to get that enrollment from uh, within our family and just saying, and showing up, showing up as the leader where you don't need to ask permission. That being said, I do run things by my husband because if I can't, if I can't logically explain it to him and make a good case, I know it's not a good decision. And, um, well, that's, that's kind of a good test, right? Like if I can't logically explain this, then it's probably not a good decision. That's pretty smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I told, I was telling my husband about an investment yesterday that I kind of, I had to make a decision on pretty quick. And actually I had already made a decision on it before I had talked with him, but I just said, Hey, I just want to share this with you. Just just kind of do a sanity check on this. And he's like, you know what, here's what it sounds like. And it sounds kind of crazy, but you know what, it's not that it's, it's not that big of a risk. So, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I appreciated his perspective on it. Cause he's like such a, he's going to poke holes in everything. So I appreciate yeah. his perspective and it helps me be able to, um, evaluate my risks. 
Mm-hmm. Because then I can say, these are all the things that could possibly go wrong. And then I will uh, navigate that risk. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. It just means yeah. I'm going to say, okay, great. I know what to do. Yeah. Uh, it's risk management. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so anyway, then I don't know if you wanted me to go into more about like making the family decisions. That's, that's kind of a different topic, but no, no, that's good. Moving and all that. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. So I think, in, you know, in closing, as you have really like grown your business and scaled it like ridiculously in the last few years, you, you know, you're investing in other ways of generating income. You are mm-hmm. obviously along with your husband, like leading your family as you're moving, making family decisions um, and what have you, what would you say have been like, I don't know, like maybe two of the top, I mean, I'm going to use the word leadership. Cause to me, that's like, that's, that's about leadership and being able to lead yourself lead within your family um, lead in your business, like what have been like two, what are like two or three of the top like leadership characteristics that you have really had to grow in that have allowed you to get to where you are at, at this point in the journey? Mm-hmm. The leadership characteristics, um, courageous courage is courageous is the first one. And, um, courage is different than bravery because bravery is like going in without really, um, with, with just kind of blindly. Yeah. But courage is like understanding that they, like you were, like you were talking about the, like, what if this could happen or what if this thing happens? Like, you know, the, the upside and the downside it's going in knowing that you could have the upside and the downside and also being able to have the, the, have the courage without, have that courage with, to be able to, to um, jump on those opportunities that you don't have all the information for. Like yesterday, I was telling you about this, this opportunity that came my way. I had to make a decision on it very quickly yeah. because it, these sweetheart deals, you have to make a decision on very quickly. It's why they come up because there is some circumstance where this person needs something and they're willing to give you a better deal because they're in a time crunch and they don't have time to put together this whole like opportunity for someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So learning, learning how to have the courage to, and trust in yourself. Yeah. So, so courage and then trust in myself, trust in my, I would say trust in myself, trust in, um, just divine support, trust in the universe, knowing that whatever decision I'm going to make, I'm going to be supported in. And, um, that's yeah. So courage and trust. Those are the two things. I love it. I love it, Mandy. This is so amazing. We could keep talking for hours uh, (laughs) about all these topics and like break them down one by one. But if people are super interested in connecting with you, learning more about your company, Hands Off CEO, how can they find out about you? Where can they go? You can go to handsoffceo.com forward slash roadmap, and you can download our roadmap to scale. And it has all sorts of goodies in there about increase, uh, doubling your price point, about um, increasing your cash flow, and um, you know, really building that foundation so you can scale a multi-million dollar company that can run without you. Amazing! And you can click the link below in the show notes and go head over and and grab that for yourself and for your company. Thank you so much, Mandy. This was fantastic. Thank you, Megan. It has been my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? 
subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.